Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Thursday, December 7th, 10.09 p.m. My name is Josh Mullinex. On today's pod, Iowa State runs away from Iowa, plus two big games headline a loaded Saturday slate. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Iowa State 90, Iowa 65, scoring from all over the place. Josh, you had Keyshawn Gilbert, 25, three other guys in, in double figures, and the Cyclones make quick, light work of the Hawkeyes. Always refreshing to see Iowa State score the basketball at this level. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really care what defense they're going up against. Iowa's defense is good enough where this is a positive sign because, <laughs> you know, it can be tough to watch sometimes. <laughs> and, yeah, you mentioned Keyshawn Gilbert. To me, that's the other part of this. I mean, I know you're a big – you can't just assume transfers are going to kind of enter at a higher level and contribute the same way. I feel like Iowa State might, might have some kind of magic formula because it seems like they find these guys all over the place. Mm-hmm. Keyshawn Gilbert now has 20-plus in three of his last five games coming from UNLV. They're seemingly better offensively than last season. And, yeah, destroy their in-state rivals again. Important win from a non-conference resume standpoint because they've let a couple other opportunities they've had slip away. Not that you're going to build a resume around beating Iowa, but it's important when to get on the schedule with what – Iowa State has done so far this season. I think that secret formula might be TJ Otzenberger. I think it might be time to, when we talk about some of the coaches that are going to be, you know, Otzenberger isn't young, but he's still uh, on the younger side of, of 50. He's 46 years old. When do we talk about the guys that could have a very big footprint on the sport for the next 20 years or so? it might be time to start talking about Osterberger as part of that group in a, in a serious way. Uh, it, they keep overachieving. They keep bringing in guys that, I mean, it's alarming regularity, how guys just come in and perform well in this program. And at some point it had, there has to be a common denominator and that common denominator is TJ Osterberger. I mean, uh, since he took over in the 2021, 22 season, they've, they've boat raced their initial Kempom ranking. Every single year. I mean, it was 113 to start in his first year. They finished 43rd. Uh, the next year, it was 62. They finished 29th. And they started 31st this year. They've, they're have 25th right now, and they were all the way up to 13th. So um, they, whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens as we get deeper into this season because Iowa State's good wins, all of them are going to have to come in Big 12 play. There's They mm-hmm. missed their only two chances to get uh, noticeable wins in non-conference, losing to Virginia Tech and Texas A&M in competitive games, but losing nonetheless. Um, they're going to have to put a, together a nice Big 12 run uh, to have a really solid resume, but here they are again looking like a team that's probably better than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, and this team does have some additional talent added to the 
the mix from last season, as we talked about in our Big 12 preview, going to maybe take a little bit for that really good freshman class to get going. But there's absolutely room for improvement here. And to your Otto Burger point, it is one of the things I think about sometimes is what what could have been if Iowa State had just given him the fir- job the first time mm. instead of kind of deciding that maybe he wasn't quite experienced enough and not quite ready, which maybe that's true. And maybe it wouldn't have worked this way if he hadn't gotten went and got head coaching experience. But he's just a perfect fit. It made way too much sense for him to be the guy to to recenter this program, to continue and get back to the things Fred Hoiberg was doing, a la the transfers. And here we are. And yeah, it's just one of those things that seems like you can count on now is they may not be able to beat the best teams in the country consistently. They may not be able to put together four really good games in the tournament because of their offensive deficiencies, but they are difficult to beat and they show up every night. And like at the end of the day, they'll still probably be sweating as we get closer to March. Like that's that, that very well could be the case, but I also won't be surprised if we get to, you know, March 1st and the cyclones are pretty firmly in, in the field of 68. Not a ton going on in the sports tonight, um, but there's plenty going on in the sport over the next 72 hours or so, and it's headlined by a pair of very intriguing matchups on Saturday afternoon. Josh, let's start with the earlier of the two pair of top 25 matchups here. The first one being in Knoxville, the number 20. Illinois Fighting Line, I take on the number 17 Tennessee Volunteers, a very, very uh, real, uh, very uh, high-level road test for Brad Underwood's team uh, here in early December. Yeah, going to have to see exactly what percentage Dalton Connect is at. That's an incredibly important part of this game, you and I both believe, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because of how important he is to everything Tennessee does on offense. The other part of this I'm curious about is, of course, we know Tennessee's defense is really good, but this is a very specific kind of test in that Illinois is one of those teams, as we talked about earlier this week, if you get them on the wrong night, <laughs> it really doesn't matter what you do defensively because they have the this offensive firepower. It doesn't show up all the time. But if you get Terrence Shannon playing like an All-American and Marcus Domask also scoring 35 points, or 33, I guess it was, it's going to be a challenge to keep them under 80 points. And so I am excited to see what Tennessee does with this because I don't feel like there are that many teams that have more offensive firepower than Illinois when everything is firing on all cylinders. That's the challenge for Brad Underwood is can you consistently maximize all the players at your disposal and not be super reliant on Terrence Shane? Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it because I I don't really, like everybody has the game of their life once. And Domask has been just fine other than two nights ago. Like no offense to Marcus Domask, but it's not like he's averaging 22 points right. per game because he goes out there and averages 20 points per game he's he has a 33 point performance in his bag and he's still only averaging 12.1 points per game so um i i i certainly hear you 
I also simultaneously think that this begins and ends with Terrence Shannon Jr., that it doesn't really matter what like like that guy has to be good for anybody else being good to matter. Yes. Just because oh, for sure. I for sure. Just because like there are there aren't very many weak spots on this Tennessee in this Tennessee defense, obviously. And for you know those Domask makes you know those type of guys are much more impactful, much more important when you have the foundation that is Terrence Shannon Jr. Yeah, to, to me, it's sort of a two-parter. If if Terrence Shannon isn't good, Illinois is not winning this game. Tennessee's defense is only going to really get tested if you get Shannon plus whether it's Coleman Hawkins or Domask or somebody, because. They can handle if Terrence Shannon's going to get 25 points on 18 shots. Tennessee can live with that, right? You can, you can't necessarily stop him, but Tennessee can take away everybody else. It can make his life difficult. So that's what I I do feel like Illinois is one of those teams that it's not consistent by any means, but when everything clicks for whatever reason, they just look awfully good some nights and other nights they don't look so great. Yeah, and that starts with Terrence Shannon because that's the first box that has to be checked. Otherwise, Tennessee's winning this game. But I think you need the next step in addition to that, as you were you were talking about, because it can't just be him. Because I think Tennessee's the more talented team if Delta Connect is close to healthy. Yeah, I think they're just the better team. Yeah, um, I would agree. I I, I would. I'm I'm just. You know, like guys not named Domask and Shannon. Granted, they took 35 shots last night or two nights ago, whenever that was against Florida Atlantic. But, you know, Quincy Garrier, one of three, Coleman Hawkins, three of eight, Ty Rogers, O of one. Like you got a little something off the bench, which was very helpful. Justin Harmon, 10 points, three of five from the field. I am, it is absolutely a feast or famine kind of thing with me when yes. it comes to Illinois. And they're probably at the they're definitely at, uh, on the, the high side of that list in the sport this year. Yes, 100%. And I feel like just generally in the Brad Underwood era, they've kind of been that way too. Sure. Later on Saturday afternoon, number 23, Wisconsin versus number one, Arizona. We talked about Wisconsin a little bit. I mean, this is probably the most impressive seven days that any team will have in the sport all year if Wisconsin finds a way to win in the McHale Center. Uh, 3.15 on ESPN. The Wildcats, Tommy Lloyd squad, number one in the country in the AP poll. They are number four at Kempom, um, a team that has uh, taken care of business against the teams that they're supposed to take care of business of, uh, have beaten Duke and Michigan State by a combined 11 points. And considering what else has gone on in the country uh, at this point, where they started, where they are now undefeated gets them the number one spot in the country, but uh, certainly a good test for the Wildcats here in December. Yeah, and it's not like they've been super impressive in the couple high-profile games they've played. They won and didn't have to sweat it out too much in the final seconds, but it's not like those games were wire-to-wire definitive, comprehensive victories. Teams have been able to play with Arizona. Just nobody's been able to hang with them for 40 full minutes. And not, so, not to mention that it's two teams that right now combined are nine and seven. Yes, right. And it's also these wins are looking less and less impressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. 
Oh, well, Duke at Cameron Indoor, I don't care, is always impressive. Yeah. But definitely not. When they won that game on November 14th, it right. had a lot more right. mustard behind it than it does right now. Right. So that's an interesting part of this is, I mean, right now Wisconsin looks better than both of them. <laughs> Whether it ends up being the case or not, we'll have to see. But at this moment in time, that's where we're at. And mm-hmm. the other part of this there's one mid-major team remaining on Arizona's schedule. <laughs> that team is Florida Atlantic. So we are beginning, and of course you got Purdue in there. We are beginning an incredible stretch here where you've got some really good games to wrap up non-conference and then you're getting into a Pac-12 that outside of Arizona hasn't maybe been as inspiring as we had hoped, mm-hmm. but still presents some challenges. So this is going to get much more difficult for Arizona quickly. And over the next week or so, a couple of weeks, we're going to find out a lot about this team because they're not going to be playing teams they should be or teams that have struggled so far this season. And we're not exactly sure what to make of those wins at this point. We're going to get some really good tests starting with a couple of big 10 teams here. Wisconsin in the last three weeks. It's beaten the number 22 Kempom team, the number five Kempom team, and the number 29 Kempom team. Um, certainly a test. Um, I mean, according to the AP poll, the best team that they've played this year, but everything we've seen from Greg Gard's team suggests that they will be able to play with Wisconsin. I mean, excuse me, with Arizona. Uh, it'll just be, you know, it's probably it's probably the best defense that they've played this year. In Arizona, um, it's probably the best test for an offense that is 15th in the country right now. Um, so that's very interesting. Yeah, well, Tennessee, they did play Tennessee, but that was uh, much earlier in the year. And I feel like uh, you got a you Virginia know, with, in there, too. But uh, true. Um, but, you know, Virginia also, you know, you score 40, you, you right. score 65 points on Virginia. That's. That's that's plenty. But my point just being that this is probably the most one of the two most well-rounded teams that they've played um, outside of probably Marquette. And uh, it's certainly the first one away from home with the team this caliber. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that Arizona, these games we were talking about have been on neutral floors. You get one at home now. And on the Wisconsin side, I, I did find this interesting that they are still outside the top 200, both shooting the ball and defending the three. And so there's a, did I get that wrong? No. Yeah. 219th and three point shooting 204th and three point defense. They are more multidimensional offensively. This is what we talked about coming out of the Michigan state game. This is a different level of test, though. So I am curious how they hold up on the three-point line on both ends of the floor here. Anything else? Looking forward to a good weekend. That's about all I got. Cool. That'll do it. The Under 8 Podcast, Thursday, December 7th. It is 1024. Be sure to, to, to subscribe Excuse me, to the podcast Wherever you listen to your shows, follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Thank you so much for being here, and we will see you tomorrow. Excuse me, not tomorrow. We will see you uh, on Sunday evening.